Welcome everyone to the Run Local podcast where we invite guests from across the spectrum of society including elite athletes, industry experts, community conduits, local legends and beyond. We utilize the sport of running to learn about these individuals, their community and what they're doing to change the world. Josh, it doesn't happen all the time but it's happening this time. We have a sponsor and a presenting sponsor of this show and of Run Local Bay Area. That is Solomon Running. I forgot this to tell news. you. This is news yeah, to this me. Is to you. This is great love news. It. This is fantastic. Tell me we're more. In a, we're in a new relationship. Um, Solomon Running is the new official footwear and apparel sponsor of Run Local Bay Area. It just feels right, right from the beginning. Their immediate support of our community, their team's guidance and care for our team's needs during the pandemic, the creativity that we're already putting into 2021. Aaron Cooper, oh, they're just, I can't tell. I can't talk enough about it. I'm just smitten, Josh. I'm smitten. I'm into them. <laughs> the product's super solid. I ran five miles in the Sonic Three Balance this morning. Uh, you know I don't mess around with shoes. I'm not running in them really? if I don't like them. I'm a tyrant. Yeah. And they're just they're just great people. The road shoes, the trail shoes, the apparel. I'm just gonna stop there. They didn't give me this to say. I wrote it ahead of time, and also now I'm just blowing it. But you go to <laughs> SolomonRunning.com. Solomon.com/backslash/running solomon.com backslash running and you can find out all the stuff they have there but they also have fantastic athletes on their roster killian jornet courtney dewalter and of course the guest that is on our podcast today lauren fleshman welcome hey. to the local podcast <laughs> hi Thank, oh, that was great yeah i too uh run in the balance although i have to say yeah. i prefer the confidence for most runs so if you haven't tried that yet you should give it a try i have not Someone needs to send it to me. Mm -hmm. Send it yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Josh, what do we do for all our guests right in the beginning? Yeah, you know what, JT, I, I've been I've been stoked about this uh, honestly for um, whenever it is that you reached out and said that Lauren was going to be a guest on our show. Um, I I don't know if you know about this, but Lauren is and and I don't say this lightly, one of my all time running heroes. Um, and wow. We can, share, we can wow. share a story on why that is. Don't tell Jesse. All right, Jesse and I. <laughs> a lot of time together but i'm more of a jesse guy but, uh, <laughs> well that's that's your folly i'll be honest but so here's the deal i moved down to the bay area in about 20 i guess 2001 right around 2001 um so it's been a few years and lauren i think at that time um you had was that right after your first ncaa track title yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 and 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 so that's how I kind of got to know Lauren. We spent some time in Mammoth uh, while you were while you were in um, uh, in the Stanford track and field team, not in mm -hmm. on, basically kind of ran the show, you know. Um, so mm -hmm. I got to see the progression of Lauren as an athlete, and I learned a ton about just racing, running, and an approach to everything outside of running that I that I actually really admire. Um, so I'm interested to get more of that perspective a little bit, Lauren, but well, thanks, Josh. We, well, anytime. Um, I think one of the things that we ask all of our guests is to tell us a little bit about, in your own words, um, just tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are. I am a recreational runner. Um, I am a mom and, uh, for my work, I do um, coaching, elite coaching. I have a team called Little Wing Athletics here in Bend. It's a women's team. I think we may be the only woman coached, woman sponsored, all women's team um, in the distances, at least that I've that I've seen in my Google searches. Wow. And it, we take a completely female centered approach to everything, which is 
a real privilege to kind of get to like create on that canvas and sports um, sports are amazing as they are, but they were definitely built by men for men and boys originally. And we fought really hard to get access to them. And, and with that comes a lot of benefits, but also some, you kind of miss some things here and there. So it's kind of great to be able to lead a team and experiment with some of the ideas that I have around that, uh, about how you would coach a female-centered team in a female-centered way. And um, what else do I do? I'm a writer, aspiring writer and published writer, but right now I'm trying to write something like a memoir and social commentary book along those themes I was just talking about with women-centered approach to sport that is just kicking my butt right now, just absolutely <laughs> kicking my butt right now. So, As um, books do. I yeah, mean, If you don't hard. kick your butt, if it came too easy, what, I mean... What yeah. What if it was so, just like, oh, you just get to run super fast and you get to work hard at it? Wouldn't even have that yep. much meeting. Wouldn't have it. Nope, you're right. You got to really earn it. Um, and then I'm the co-founder of Picky Bars with my husband and Steph Bruce. And yeah, we've been 10 years, 10 years in the business now. We make real food, uh, balanced snacks from energy bars, granola, oatmeal. We have a new product coming out that I can't, in a totally new form factor, I'm really excited about. I can't talk about it yet. Um, but we're creating essentially the picky pantry, which are foods that um, are healthy, but they're also designed to kind of prioritize people's ability to have a healthy relationship with their food and their body. So we avoid really extreme food trends and we just kind of try to create the, the timeless, balanced, no-nonsense classics that yeah. can see a person through. So that's, yeah. I'd say, really sums me up. That's it? Probably. That's all you're doing? Really. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Really <laughs> I Nordic Slow ski, yeah. I run, I mountain bike, I hang out with my friends. Yeah, yeah, really that's what I do. Right, I music. love the campfire. Music? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of music, not as much as I'd like to. My kids are kind of little tyrants when it comes to, if they see me without an instrument, um, they can tell how happy it makes me and that's offensive to them. So they come and <laughs> shut it down. No they happiness don't, around here. They don't want we to join? Have, you know how we have to. Uh, I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Like if they want to play it while I play it. And if I'm like, no, you play this ukulele and I'll play this guitar. They just, they won't have it. I think they just, you know, little kids, they're seven and three, at least my kids, they, they want that undivided attention and i think i i mean i love music so much i'm pretty sure i do look like i'm in love when i'm playing music like it probably is confusing to them whereas if i'm like washing dishes they're not in a hurry to come help me with that <laughs> but uh, uh yeah i mean you maybe got to sing when you when you wash dishes and maybe that'll invite them in a little bit <laughs> yeah you're right start pretending you're happy just like tom sawyer that fence <laughs> like we're whitewashing the fence and we're just like this is amazing this Talk is so fence. good oh my gosh i just read that to my son and he thought that was so funny yeah <laughs> so like, we'll trick him we'll trick, trick him into dishes i, I, I want to pull on this music thread just for a second i'm curious yeah. what you're listening to anything interesting um yeah i mean it's always evolving it yeah. Sylvanesso is what I had on this morning while I was baking the birthday cake for Jesse's 41st birthday. Uh, just a playlist. And what are some other things? Um, I don't know, a lot of like indie folk, roots, yeah. revival type stuff, really. Uh, and I prefer playlists because, you know, just kind of go on Spotify, pick a song I like, and then let it let go. It, let it find you something new. Yeah. As long as the song Let It Go isn't on it, I. <laughs> I'm likely to enjoy it. <laughs> it's 
Kids Sorry, safe frozen work. reference. Crazy Anyone who work. has a frozen I, I, kid. I was there. Um. I was with you. Josh doesn't hang out with little kids. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the single most popular request at the uh, Lucille Packard Summer Scamper um, over the years. Right. Let it go. Oh. And I got to tell you, it is not it, it is not the pump up jam that you want before a race. <laughs> no, it's really not. Oh, man. So Jesse bought a um, seven passenger <laughs> Toyota Sienna van They're amazing. Uh, this year. Yeah, so yeah. fun. Um, and when I met him, he was driving a green Ford Aerostar van, like similar van, but that one had like mold, <laughs> mildew and mushrooms growing in the carpet. It was, it was such a hot mess. Way to so stay on this, brand, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one we're trying to take better care of, but he is in charge of driving uh, five kids to school. Like the kids from our pod, now that schools are reopened, we, we, he drives them all to school in the morning and he has been just loving picking some obscure song that they weren't alive for and playing it on the way to school and so the most recent one scat man remember so <laughs> and then there's um what's the other one the kids loved eat it weird al oh, weird yeah, al revival weird. oh my gosh eat it is a really good song i'm just saying <laughs> it's really good weird al especially is, if you have kids is great all the way around yeah like, he was he was one of the top uh, concerts that came to uh, when I went to school in at Idaho. He came to WSU, which is like eight miles away, and mm. it was like a huge, massive draw with all of his like stage props and things like that. Oh man, I, I bet. Still, oh man, did he still tour? Does he? I mean, now I'm. I mean, who? No one I think is right so. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he's yeah. Not. So, but yeah. he went to Cal Poly. Uh, he went to San Luis Obispo. Really? He's also a big West guy. Um, oh, that's cool. Maybe uh, somebody's parents went to school with him. I can't remember who, but he's amazing. Yeah, wow. eat it. I love that he's yeah. he's playing them old some old school jams. Well, the thing is, eat it when you're yeah. When you listen to eat it as a parent, it's like you spend so much of your time telling your kids to just eat it, like stop complaining about the thing on your plate, like whatever. And I didn't even know when that song first came out that it was from the perspective of a parent. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> and it is definitely, yeah, it is. Anyone listening out there with littles, definitely give it a, give it a listen with fresh ears. <laughs> oh man. That's uh, maybe that's Jude's first ukulele um, song is, is eat it. The duet with you. That's how you can come music. Yeah. That's it. I got to yeah, convert yeah. them over somehow so that I can enjoy it, enjoy myself uh, outside yeah. the 30 minutes a week. They're not here. <laughs> well, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're taking the 30 minutes to talk to us. Today. It got me out of childcare. It's great. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is work. This is important right. work. Sorry, guys, I had a job. A four and a half hour podcast. Um, <laughs> so you Jesse won't mind. It's just his birthday. We're gonna let you grab the guitar too, just so you can get some music time. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, uh, if you can't tell at home, the the three of us uh, we have known each other for quite a while. Josh, going way back, Lauren, back to like two thousand. Twenty years ago. Yeah. Eight years at Steph and Steph Rothstein and Ben Bruce's wedding. uh, When I met Lauren and, and some of that crew. But you've been busy. You're a total polymath. Like you're up to so mm-hmm. much. And how do you balance those things out? But that's I I, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast of yours, so I don't want to like go over like everything you already did there. Mm-hmm. But I'm I am interested in 
why you're such a shit starter and a rabble rouser. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, where that came from, because whenever there's a tip of the spear issue, it seems like you're there. Right. Yeah. You, you can't quite stay out of it, which I love. I mean, like it's true. Uh, Stanford, I mean, men's and women's issues, right? Like uh, of teams being equal. Then you go to Nike and you're like, nope, this isn't fair either. I'm messing. I'm that's put, right. Put in this. And after yeah. Nike and you're like, what the hell? Picky bars, uh, coaching. You're you're blowing that up. So it's like a wedge every single time, and it always needs to be done. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm just curious where it came from. I think it's just, you know, I grew up working class. I didn't grow up. I mean, you know, I had some privileges for sure in my life, but they, I didn't have a lot of the ones that people I went to college had. And, um, and I, I don't know, I think I just, I grew up with, especially my dad being a person that tended to point out how the system's messed up, you know, how it only works for some people or doesn't work for everyone equally. And, um, so I never had the illusion that the way things were was, was like, you know, finished, put a bow around it, being, mm -hmm. you know, we're good yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. And so when, you know, me coming to Stanford was like, I, I did not, it, I mean, I, I really didn't fit. And there were other yeah. people like me for sure that came from working class families for sure. And people that came from way rougher backgrounds than I did, but, you know, I came in there and it was almost like being a. I really had to kind of like figure out who I was in that place. And do you just assimilate and kind of forget where you came from and who you are and just feel lucky to be there? Or do you, you know, keep one eye on who isn't getting this and how even at those levels, not everything is fair. Mm -hmm. And I think that unless you keep noticing and say something, things just keep going as they are. And they're, you know, and they, they're not balanced really. So I don't look at it as like being a, being an asshole, although I am sometimes, um, <laughs> we all I look are. at it as, as being a noticer. And mm. a lot of times when an issue comes to the tip of the spear, I've already been doing a lot of thinking about it. You know, I've already been mulling on it for a while. So it probably does feel like once it's kind of like being talked about and it's front and center, I feel ready to talk about it because I've been thinking about it, you know, uh, and having conversations with various people about it for quite a while. So it's, you know, and that's, those things yep. are going to keep going. They're going to keep going. So it is hard because you do get slammed and people, especially being a woman, like likability is opens a lot more doors than mm. being, um, than, you know, poking the bear. But yep. if you align yourself with the right people, um, they don't close the door when you, you know, when you um, advocate or point yep. out things, you know, they, they, there yep. are groups of people that are, that look at that as a positive. So I know it's confronting. Um, and I'm, I've certainly been confronted when other people bring up things I haven't been thinking about. So I know what it's like, obviously to be on both sides of it. I'm not just like going through the world, seeing everything no one else is seeing, <laughs> like, but I'm, I always want to kind of, I think about this Brene Brown quote of like, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. <clears throat> and so I just sort of try to walk through the world like that what what don't I have rights right now that is like some people are kind of getting the short end of the stick for or um, and always making time to learn about those things and not kind of walking through just like happy to like yeah. with the way things are and it's not to say I don't I mean that makes it sound like I'm just like a curmudgeon and I'm never joyful and I'm not like right. <laughs> enjoying my life it's not that it's just 
uh, I'm just not, I won't be happy if I'm kind of like putting up blinders in order to be happy, if that makes sense. Like I'm always aware there's stuff out there and I feel discontent if I pretend it's not. And, um, and it's a little bit of this dance of walking through the world with awareness and being present it, you know, where you stand and with the people you're with. Yeah. Well, you know, what strikes me when you say that Lauren and, and the way that I'm processing that is, is you're, it's almost like you're kind of this, um, almost like a social engineer where you're looking at things from, well, how can I, here's a problem that presents itself. And what are the potential solutions that I can think of to rectify the problem? And it's that, it's almost like a spirit of innovation rather Mm -hmm. than, rather than anything else is saying like, it doesn't have to be this way. Exactly. It's only only this way because it's comfortable. And Mm -hmm. if you were to take that approach and apply it to like a, like a a traditional engineering problem with, with numbers and measurements and things like that, people would think, oh, this is really great. You're thinking outside of, of the proverbial box and here's a different way to look at this problem but you mix it all up in this idea of the social dynamics and how people are really uh, invested in their own perspectives of the problem. It becomes yeah. less, less of like a, a, an advancement and more of like an affront to what they believe. It's and, true. People are less invo- invested in the current shape of a toaster, you know, so yeah. you can, <laughs> and also Jesse's going to be thrilled that we're both engineers. So I really want to thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, say your question, because I don't think you really had a question. You were just. Well, I, I mean, the, I think the I think the question was, is like, uh, you know, uh, whether or not you consider yourself an engineer. But now now, of course, I do. Um, like, How do you start to pick apart the pieces that 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 really matter in an in an issue and in a problem and the things that are like, look, you know, that matters, but not right now. Like, how do you decide yeah. when you're going like, this is the big stakes here and this has to change for everything else to fall into place? Yeah, I mean, I look at harm. That's kind of the main thing I look at is like how, how, what amount of harm is happening. And then, you know, like if you talk about those um, interacting pieces, like let's just say racism, um, global warming and climate change, you know, uh, there's there's multiple like all the sort of like which one do I pick I care about the planet and I care about racism so that's just like a good example where if you kind of recognize how racism is uh and inner and is intersecting with climate change um when it comes to like where are people allowed to pollute they're allowed to pollute in more poor neighborhoods in places that were redlined previously you know if you kind of look at it you try to find which lens is going to get me the greatest um amount of of harm reduction and then i try to put my energy there i try to get closer to this as close to the source as i can so when it comes to the book that i'm writing about kind of like women's sports um in particular sports that rely on uh kind of a strength to weight ratio for high performance like running or dancing or growing you know climbing these ones you could say we need to really talk about eating disorders right you could be like Mm -hmm. eating disorders are a big problem you could talk about um sexual abuse from coaches. There's another one that happens, you know, you can pick these things, like what are the five ways that are things that are most impacting women? And then you can look at each of them and be like, which one do I do? Which one's the most important? Which one's harming the most people? And the kind of brain that I have is like, what do those things have in common? Right. 
what environment allows those five things to thrive and continue and carry on? Because yeah. the people that are picking away at one at a time are super important because they're doing that groundwork like right now, but there's going to be like a never ending stream of mm. people coming through that unless there's also people kind of whose brains are oriented towards figuring out what they have in common. So yeah, that's perfect. that's kind of where I live, unfortunately, sometimes because it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. It's, it's also exhausting because you haven't chosen to just like write about it and commentate on it from the sidelines. Like you're, you're in it. And when mm -hmm. there's a problem at USATF, you, you join a board or an athlete representative position to start making change. And when you're like, there's not a female, you know, coaching, uh aesthetic that you appreciate you become a coach and you start this all-female group that is the only female uh run group with a female sponsor and a women's like group it's like it would be easier to just write on your blog and and just be like this is wrong this is wrong uh let me show, show commentate on that and yeah. read about it but you've taken it to another level in, in the I action, think that, action i think that i have to honestly because i know i i have a more informed opinion seven years into elite women's coaching about what I think of appropriate female-centered coaching, um, you know, stance would be. Uh, and and if I just wrote like a you know definitive opinion piece on it seven years ago, it would have been like less useful and inaccurate. <laughs> and so you know, I think about food, right? Like food's a great example. I had no desire to start an energy bar business. I really didn't. I don't want to be in the food business. It's a super crowded space. It's full of liability issues. Like the grocery stores are just robbing, robbing food companies left, right. I mean, it's honestly like a terrible business yeah. to get into. But at the time, what I was thinking was, okay, people who care about fitness and health and are trying to push the edges of what they want to do with their body are vulnerable to this cultural multi-billion dollar messaging system that's like cut out carbs cut out sugar eat only fat eat only protein you know eat exactly like these things at this time don't eat at this time and i'm not saying people can't experiment with those things and people can do anything they want make any choices they want and find what works for their body but i also very aware that that it causes that those experiments for some people are not without harm and those those, you know, people are making a ton of money on kind of changing what that advice is. It have, oh, oops, I have a hundred products ready for you now that I've like changed the right. advice of what you should eat. <laughs> I'm ready you know, for and I've seen the suffering and I've lived the suffering of, of the cage you can build around yourself with food rules and obsession over, you know, these things. And it's like, it, it's a huge zap of human potential. It really is. Hmm. You can't get that brain space back unless you can recover and heal. And so I was like, well, you know, the food idea was a way to kind of like learn more about that. What do people need to hear to feel more confident in like logical, more balanced choices? Um, how can you message it that's effective? And I directly see, well, what what creates people's enthusiasm about this? Um, in our coexist campaign, where we have like the word coexist, kind of like that, the one with the, all the different religious symbols we did with different mm. types of food, including like an ice cream cone and a cashew and an avocado and a, you know, a pretzel That's or cool. whatever it is. And it just, the spirit of it was just like, you know, it's food. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like there's, let's Balance. not get caught up in good food, bad food. It doesn't, food doesn't have morals. Um, there are better choices for your objective at certain times, but um, you know, there, there really is harm to this good food, bad food mentality in these extremes. Like people are harmed. So we just need to be aware of it. And so, yeah, that's a 10 year long project of learning more about food. <laughs> it's a, that's, I, I also that. blame the Rothstein's diet. For, for you having to get into food. You basically just had to create a bar that she could eat. Um, I did. I started it. with a bar that Jesse could eat. Oh, okay. And then it ended up working for someone with celiac. And then because she had a much stricter, like she's celiac and Jesse isn't, he just kind of, if he overdoes it on gluten and dairy, he has problems. So he just wanted to have like something with variety that he could have yeah. consistently. Um, but she, when she came in really early and it worked for her, she held us to a higher standard than I would have held myself to otherwise just to like really keep it working for celiac people you know lauren when you're talking and and, and i don't want to turn too far off of uh the the topic of your delicious bars um <laughs> but you know what what i'm what i've seen is like is, is you're you're very much in this like organizational change methodology that uh that you know like food is a lever right within everything else that we're trying to do to be better individuals there's food there's behavior there's all these different things that we all these levers we can pull on at different times mm -hmm. but uh, even what jt was saying earlier is like you kind of live at the center of all this change where you have a bit of a north star you know what the case for change overall and kind of the 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 work that you do but you're really leading and learning by example which i find like super fascinating um mm -hmm. And, and, and so often we, we, we look to individuals to come into that center of that dynamic to, to, to lead us. And in terms of like, you're transitioning to a, to a coach, uh, the, the work that you did as, a, as an athlete, right, when you were kind of leading and also spending time for your own personal athletic endeavors, which were, if folks don't know, I, I think you were like 15-time All-American um, mm -hmm. at Stanford, five-time NCAA champion. Uh, you won, uh, uh, what, two two USA outdoor titles or three? Uh, three? Uh, two. Two outdoor titles, which uh, there's a whole lot of other Oh, you mean post-collegiately? Yeah, post-collegiately. Yeah, yeah post-collegiately too, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, you know, obviously Pac-10 Pac at the time. So you yeah. were a phenomenal athlete. But I guess the, the the dynamic changes where you are now kind of moved into that center of 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 change as a coach, and you're sort of responsible for a different set of levers that you need to pull to get your athletes uh, into the best that they can be in. Um, so you're both in the center and both as as a lever itself. And I'm wondering, like, as you've shifted into that coaching um, mentality, how have you carried over some of your experience realizing that that's not going to work for everybody else mm -hmm. um, and in fact it might be a terrible idea for some folks and yeah and, and build and, and build like a different set of levers that you can pull that was a long i don't know how much no i know you, JG. Question, no i think that's a really good, good question. question i think it's a good lead up the okay so yeah that's something i'm still learning i mean it took me four years before I actually would call myself a coach in my social oh, wow. media profile. Like I had a complete imposter syndrome. I was passionate about doing it. And, you know, I had the skills to write workouts and, you know, but I don't know, there was something, I don't know if it was internalized sexism. I'd, I'd pretty much always had male coach, head coaches, um, all the kind of iconic coaches in our country are men. And 
I grew up in a household where my dad wore the pants. He got the best seat in the house. He controlled the remote control. He got served first at dinner. I mean, that, that was always modeled for me. So even though I'm sort of this like feminist who's really passionate about equity, I still have, I still been swimming in the same water as everybody else, right? So, um, so I, that I think really shocked me that I couldn't call myself a coach. I had like, when I coached Kate Grace, I had the most imposter syndrome of all because at the time she had, she was running the fastest of anybody I had ever coached and sort of getting into the fastest races mm. and had the experience closest to mine, right? At that point where I was like, I'm not confident. I'm not going to just apply things that I did now. and yeah and screw up because she's entering this like top of the pinnacle performance zone. And I, you know, I don't know how to coach someone like that outside of what I did, or maybe like what I saw Nick Simmons or Nicole Teeter did. Like I had a few other people, but definitely my brain at that time was like, are you Nick Simmons or are you Nicole Teeter or are you, you know, <laughs> putting like, them in a box. <laughs> I <don't> yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Which one are you I most like? Because like? yeah. I knew that there were different ways to do it and be at the top level. Um, but yeah, I was, I was terrified of screwing up Kate yeah. Grace's career at that time. And with a few more years and, and good encouragement from, you know, my crew, um, I'm, I now feel confident calling myself a coach. And I think another thing, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I saw a couple groups kind of popping up and getting all this sponsorship money. And it was just like, just like a dude, really, you know what I mean? Like a runner, certainly a good coach, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, Mark Rowland or Jerry Schumacher coming down from the collegiate, like top of the ladder, like a Ray Tracy coming down and being like, I'm going to coach this. It was a guy who who coached really. And that was me. I'm a, I'm a woman who coaches like, like I'm, I can't claim to really be anything more than that. And I think that just, it reminded me of this magnet. That's like, Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. And like, I use that as a mantra of myself of like, I can also, (laughs) courageously step into things that I view as as traditional male spaces and I need to I need to not get in my own way by thinking like I have to somehow be have it all figured out and be just like perfect before I even attempt it I mean that that's what it can feel like sometimes when you're in a space where you're grossly underrepresented um and so and I didn't mean that as any kind of jab to any of those other coaches by the way I'm putting myself among them we are all we oh, all bring right. the experience we have, and none of us are Ray Tracy. I'm sorry, we're just not. <laughs> well, we have a bit of a surprise for you. Oh, uh, is Ray Tracy coming? We haven't done this before, but we're bringing <laughs> a surprise guest. And you, <laughs> it's, I really want to like sound a horn of some sort. I wanted to have like a, a like a. <laughs> but, <laughs> I oh, thought it'd Rebecca. only be fair, like if we can talk to coach and athlete at the same yeah, do time it. and get like some of that perspective from her. Um, it's so awesome funny because choice. Rebecca and I've been, what's up? Yeah. Rebecca <laughs> and I've been talking a bunch uh, via Instagram because of some other Instagram live we're going to do around uh, the sound running meet that was coming up. And I was like, Oh wait, we're also have your coach coming on the podcast. I was like, <laughs> just throw them together. Let's put it all together. Um, That's awesome. So Rebecca, Rebecca Mara, thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. I'm glad we could squeeze this in between our long run. And we're actually driving back to Ben from Seattle today. We've been here for the last month and we're excited to see Lauren again. I am <laughs> excited to see you too, instead of get the secondhand, how the, how the workout went. <laughs> oh, I love it. And so this, this past weekend, Rebecca, you, you raced twice. 
Mm-hmm. Is it a workout or it is. is it a race? Were we, were we just kind of like working out through this race? It sounded, I'm curious. Um, kind of both in a way. I mean, it was a race. Um, like I was there to show up and do the absolute best that I could. Um, but at the same time, like the way that Lauren kind of has us train over the last few years, I've learned that indoor is kind of a, a means to to train for outdoors. Um, so I put in a hard effort, um, but I wouldn't say that I'm super sharp <laughs> and at my fittest. Um, so it was, yeah, somewhere in the in-between, but it was fun. Love it. Um, and so th- I don't really know where this is going to go, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really plan beyond this part. I was just hoping it would all work out. Yeah, well, but, we can talk. I mean, we can talk about our what, yeah, what it's like. How you guys work together. I mean, I saw the first time I met Rebecca or saw her run was when she kind of went off like this past summer, um, won a bunch of races kind of in a row, definitely won at the, at the first sound running meet. Um, I was super impressed by uh, the BLM patch on, on the Wazelle kit. Uh, I was stoked by that. And then you kind of had a viral moment where you went and did grocery shopping uh, for an elderly couple. Uh, oh, man. Back in yes. just, you've got a bit of an aura around you. You've got some Fleshman magic, I think. And I have a feeling it's connected. I don't know what it is. But... Yeah. She's just rubbed off on me. No. Like two, she... two and a half years in, I'm just like stealing some from her slowly but surely. Yeah. No, she's got it. Rebecca's like the perfect case of somebody who has had talent for a really long time and had the ability to showcase it like at like various intervals but wasn't able to get if she had had a full uninterrupted you know couple years of time um would be a surprise to absolutely nobody last summer you know so i think that um that's one of the the things that we look for in at little wing actually is that women athletes tend to have a rockier road. I mean, I've done some hard research looking at data at this and and it supports it that through those ages of puberty and puberty and adolescence lasts till 25, 26, um, the, you know, women's bodies, I mean, you know, this women's bodies develop in a different way than men's do. I mean, men's get like this Mm -hmm. shot of performance enhancing testosterone and women's bodies turn into kind of the body of, of a mother, whether they want to be or not at that time. And, and then we need a little bit of time to have our muscles, tendons, ligaments, everything, bones, adapt to that new form and and then inevitably if you know if you can if you can get a chance to run and train hard at the other side of that your best running is going to be in that woman body i mean there's no this isn't gymnastics like the best distance mm-hmm. runner in the world is not 14 years old so it's really about how do we how do we make sure that we identify that talent that hasn't had a chance to fully realize and give them a chance to realize it uh, by investing in them at a time when their body is going to be more conducive to the training uh, and um mm-hmm. and so rebecca is a perfect example of that in so many ways and she has had to be really really good and committed to listening to her body to learn the language of her body and um i, I think learned that from you <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm learn curious. How to do that from you. I'm yeah. curious to hear about kind of where you feel like you are now. And I'm not looking. I I have plenty of flaws as a coach, and I have lots of learning to do. And I have messed up as a coach with Rebecca. And I am, you know, we are. I I don't claim to be a finished product. And um, so you don't feel like you have to pump my tires here in any way, Rebecca. But I am just curious, like how you view yourself as 
how you view your ability to listen to your body now. Where are you on that journey? Mm -hmm. Actually, so before the mile race that I ran this weekend, Lauren and I had a conversation and we talked about a race I ran two years ago here at the Dempsey in Seattle. And I totally blew up. Um, I ran like 449 and we had a conversation the next day on our long run about like, do I really want to do this? And I feel like I have changed into a completely different athlete in the last couple of years, um, mainly because Lauren has, and, and when I say forced, I mean in a really good way, like forced me to learn how to listen to my body. Um, I got hurt all the time. And I like, you know, either misread or didn't listen to body signals at all. And so I'd end up with these, you know, six, eight, 10 week uh, long injuries. Um, and I was never able to kind of put seasons together in a good way. And because Lauren has kind of instilled that ability in me <laughs> to listen to my body and to yeah. be smarter and make smarter choices and take the day or two off now, then, you know, the six weeks later, I feel like I have been able to be so much more successful because I'm less stubborn. I'm still really stubborn, <laughs> but less of a knucklehead. Um, so I think that's, no, you said it, made a really you said it, not me. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta <laughs> be a little stubborn. And you, can't, it's you, can't, and, you can't have no stubborn. Yeah, 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 I know. And something actually I've always also appreciate, appreciated about Lauren is that coaches in the past, like I couldn't necessarily ask why, <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Or, you know, what is the reasoning behind this? Um, and I really love to talk things through. And once in a while, I push Lauren's buttons just a little <laughs> bit past the limit when I'm like, I'm doing this. are you sure? Should we do something else? Um, and no, but I appreciate like, feeling like I'm part of the process, which as a younger athlete, like I just kind of, you know, like saw what was on my sheet and would do it and never ask questions. And I think that that has also like led me to understand what I'm doing more, understand like where my body's at. And I think that has been really important for me growing as an athlete the last like how long has it been two and a half years yeah yeah, yeah. Re rebecca i'm i'm curious i know we haven't met up until right now um I'm, hi I'm, I'm josh <laughs> uh thanks for coming on the show um you can we lauren and i go back uh about 20 years or so and jt wow about the, about the same um and one of the things that we were talking about earlier is just like Lauren's um, success as an athlete, like knowing she's been there and knowing she mm -hmm. has, has kind of experienced that, which, which, you know, you're experiencing too, as a, as an elite athlete. Mm -hmm. And, and does that change uh, having a coach? Does that change the language that you're able to use um, with her to, to communicate more fluidly, especially if you're in Seattle, even in Seattle for like th three weeks or six weeks or how long? A, a while, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, four and a half. Yeah. All right. So there, yeah. So a long time. You haven't seen her. So the communication is extraordinarily important. And how does that, how does that work? What's the, how does it change the language and how does it change just the way that you, you kind of sync up and, and strive towards a common goal? That question for me or for Lauren or both? That's for you. That's for you. I'm, I'm very curious about the, about the perspective that you have. And then we can yeah. ask the same question to Lauren too. Yeah. So we have a group message that we're constantly talking in. Like I send a message as an update almost every day. Um, if I feel like there's something really pressing that I need to talk to Lauren about, or like I have a race coming up, we'll jump on the phone and talk for whether it needs to be five minutes or like 45 and talk through whatever we need to talk through. Um, I've also had an injury kind of thing that I got in a fall that I've still been dealing with. Um, and so I just have to be as open as possible, like with how it's doing. And that's how we're able to make decisions. It was also not something I was very good at two years ago, describing exactly where I was at. I've found myself in a couple different situations in which I ran through something I shouldn't have, but I didn't communicate it well. So it's yeah. been learning how to like, you know, use maybe Lauren's terminology that I've learned um, and like describe exactly how I'm doing in order to make like the 
best decisions and like sometimes it needs to be day by day, which I hate. I'm a type A planner and like to have things ahead of time. But Lauren's very good at like knowing when we have to go day by day and like make decisions for, you know, a race the next day or for a workout yeah. in a couple of days, like on the day. That's what it is. Wow. Well, and and, yeah. and to, to that same question, Lauren, it's like, it's like as a coach, I can only imagine having only coached middle school uh, cross country, which was phenomenally fun i bet it was actually <laughs> it's really fun I had it was actually kids after he was coaching them too and, and it was like it, yeah. It, yeah it was out yeah it was out of woodside and so their their treat at the end of the end of the season was like if you guys get super fit we're gonna all run to the top of windy hill and that'll be like instead of a party <laughs> like at the end it's like we got they got to do a long run and they're like, That's yes, cool. this is amazing. You get to go in the woods and do a long run. I, I was terrified I was going to lose one of the, you know, 15 kids that are out there. Um, but the, I guess, I guess, of course I can with this. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I do know. Like, you've got a lot of signals, right? You know the, the physiology of what needs to be done. But the one thing you don't have as a coach is just is knowing how that lands with, with an athlete and knowing, like, that internal, uh, that internal, like, absorption of what you're saying. So I saw you as a competitor your like greatest thing was like it doesn't matter what i did leading up to this i am here right now in this moment and mm -hmm. i have to use all these other signals around me as a, as a competitor to get the most out of everything that i've done not in just the training block but in my entire life to, to be as optimal as i can in this moment and when you're not in that position uh, as as a coach you're not in that position to get all of that feedback how do you do it uh to help the athlete achieve what they're looking for like how do you get those signals it's a different, I mean, it's different for everybody. What Rebecca has going for her is actually, you know, it's not surprisingly your greatest strength is, is also a weakness. She said, she was telling earlier how she had a difficult time listening to the cues of her body. Well, there's some reasons for that that have to do with the collegiate system and you can be ready to race over and over again really right. fast. I think that was definitely a part of it that sort of delayed a normal timeline of when she would have learned those things. Because <clears throat> she's very smart. The thing that... Um, so this not really over-investing in the cues your body is giving you is what makes her an incredible competitor. So, mm. I, I mean, I know that about her. She, When she gets to the line, we share that. She's even, she's actually much better than me at that. And I felt like I was pretty good at that. She's probably one of the best at that that I've ever seen. And she'll get out there and she'll just be like, this is the day we're racing. I'm gonna, I'm a good competitor. Some of these people are, have run faster, and you know she—it's not like it's not like she goes and wins every single time in that situation. But she's she has a high likelihood of getting the best out of herself on the day because of that mindset. So I don't need to do really a lot of work to convince Rebecca she's ready to like do well. Sometimes I have to do some work to get her on the starting line in the first place to kind of like help set the stage and lower the expectations and kind of be realistic so that she'll get on the line. Um, but and and I definitely have to do a lot of work with her. We work in partnership through the season to try to really hone that like do we need to take a couple days off right now for this high ankle sprain that's reflaring up or not? Like those kind of things, because she's an optimist, right? So she wants to believe that her body is is like healthy and ready to do the workout on Thursday. Right. Um, just competitive and loves workouts. And, and so my job as a coach with Rebecca is to kind of like take some of this importance off of Thursday and make the most important thing. What is your body actually telling you though? Like, I know what you want it to be saying, but what is it actually saying? And, and I never want to like 
stamp out the optimist in her because that is a huge asset. It's just learning like, when do I summon the optimist? Which arenas do I bring her to in her full form? And which ones do I kind of be like, here you go, optimist, you be here. I need to like think about this high ankle sprain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like it's it sounds so much about like just being just being present with the with the athlete about being present. Like this is this is the reality of what it is, right? It doesn't yeah. mean that you're not an optimist. Mm -hmm. about what are you doing today uh, yes. in your optimism to deal with the realities that are around you? Again, like kind of mm -hmm. that stuff mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier, which is mm -hmm. like such a healthy way to look at coaching rather than hey, y'all got a group of thirty folks out there, you're gonna be doing thousand meter repeats until you throw up like <laughs> and we'll see what happens and we'll see well, what happens some folks yeah. are gonna come out the other side and some folks aren't i've i've needed that though from her too where i've been in a workout and like things aren't going well and i really want to stop and she is really good at both being the cheerleader when i like need to get through a workout and it's a bunch of k's and especially like a year and a half ago where i hadn't done any sort of professional training like we were doing and she needed to sometimes say no oh, rebecca you got to get through this one and i'm like hyperventilating and struggling <laughs> to get through it and once in a while actually she would jump in with me and uh pace me <laughs> to get me through the workout which is really special to have a coach that can do that right um right. but also like gags doing that yeah <laughs> probably not yeah, but also sometimes like recognize when I'm not having a good day or it's not the time to push through or there's an injury problem and being right. able to like pull the plug, which is not something that I have gotten to a place that I'm particularly good at yet. So it's very valuable to have Lauren around to help me make those choices. Very few people can can do that. I mean, I think the only person I've ever heard of claim to be good at that is Alan Culpepper from way back in the day who coached himself like to the Olympics and I would never have been able to make consistently make the call of when I should push through and when I should stop when a workout cool. is a suffer fast. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm actually interested in in this other element that you've alluded to in uh, I don't know in writings blogs previous podcasts of coaching the whole person and mm -hmm. it's it almost gets to like, uh, it, we're getting a little hippy dippy here. Uh, you live in Bend and I live in Santa Cruz, so it's perfect. Oh, um, man. You're, getting, yeah. you're getting real. You're getting real. This I'm is getting real. real. Okay. I think it's yeah. interesting because, Rebecca, you have a full time job, right? You're in public policy or something, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I do not have a full time, -time job. job. Um, I was yeah. working pretty much full time and I was working on a yeah. campaign in the summer and the fall, but now I work, right. I work part time. but. Right. Um, but you were doing that. You were working on a campaign mm -hmm. during while well, being a professional athlete. And, yeah. And is, <laughs> is not just saying like you can't do this or not doing that. It's a nurturing element about an entire person. And so I'd love to hear you talk about that. And then Rebecca, maybe how it helps you as an athlete as well. Because mm -hmm. I do think that see this like really holistic uh, formation of a person. Um, and I wish I had that 20 years ago, as opposed to just go run 130 miles and don't yeah. think about anything else. I think that, that, you know, run 130 miles and don't think about anything else does work for one in 100,000 people. So, and, and a lot of them that you hear about, you know, they're fast. You don't hear about the people that it works for who are just doing it like just doing it you know i love i love running i run 100 <laughs> miles a week so anyway it can kind of get over glorified and i think that um i certainly aspired at one point in my career to be able to be that person because in my head it made sense you know put all your energy into this and imagine what you could accomplish if you 
stopped kind of, I mean, people always called me my distracted my entire career. And it was this thing they'd be like, oh, imagine if you focused. Well, the couple of years that I did do that, I was miserable. I was miserable. I actually ran fast. Um, I matched those times again later while not being a drone. But when I was a drone, I when I would PR, it wasn't enjoyable. It always felt like as soon as I reached something, then the bar just went up again. There was no, I don't know, and and maybe I just didn't give it enough shot for long enough. <laughs> it was a few years though. I did it for a few years, yeah. and it it just didn't feel like me. And I think that this idea of a ha I used to say a happy Lauren is a fast Lauren, and I see, um, you know, I'm sorry, I certainly didn't invent that concept. Like I follow Jesse Diggins, and she's she's yeah, got to be she's our awesome, most successful right? yeah skier she just kills yeah. it in nordic skiing and she lives and embodies that so beautifully that's like a happy me is going to race best and mm -hmm. what it takes to feel that that true that trueness of like i'm being who i am um is different for every person and so my first job as an athlete as a coach of an athlete is to learn what do they need in their life um, to to feel like they're being themselves, and then what's a pro athlete um, congruent or you know friendly way we can make sure those things are incorporated in your life, uh, and and then and then do them, and then always adjust, like you know be in conversation about it, like how did the full time job as a campaign manager go? What were the pros and cons? I mean, we wouldn't try to do that in an Olympic year leading up to the trials, right? But it was a weird year last year. There was an election, but the Olympics got moved and all the races were these random pop-ups in like yeah. high schools, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so if that's not a time that you can sort of lean in a little more to, to one of your other passions, I, I don't know when is, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity. And it sounds like you, you, you end, <laughs> totally. up, end up building a little bit of a uh, like a, a support structure for when things are good and when things are bad you know you, mm. you don't if you, you you've got other things that are happening around there like oh well i had a terrible race um but i've got all these other things that are going really well um mm -hmm. so you can have like a little bit of a perspective that gets in there that i think helps you recover from those bad races or make sure that you can celebrate the good races too like i don't think we do enough about that celebration we don't we mm -hmm. have a it's like hell yeah that was awesome that was great i put so much work into this and it's a tenth of a second faster than i've ever run in my life <laughs> and it sounds so bizarre but i you know you have me reflecting back on like there'll be a time when we'll no longer pr absolutely and we, yeah and we can't we can't look and see like like the value of us as as athletes as a as, as prs it's like there's part of the process, but there's also all these other things that go into that. Like, what did I learn about that? How did I how did I celebrate that when it happened? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think there's actually a question involved with that, but I'm just so thrilled <laughs> to hear that perspective. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'd love to hear from Rebecca's perspective. Yeah, of like that's how totally. Affected her. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> so when I was considering moving to Bend, I went and visited in the summer of 2018, and one of my first questions to Lauren was like okay, what else can I do <laughs> while I'm here? Like, what can I do outside of practice? Um, and she immediately had all these ideas when I talked to her that I was interested in public policy and potentially in politics. She actually introduced me to the woman who would become my boss <laughs> for the next two and a half years, um, Sally Russell, she's the mayor of Bend. Um, and I jumped on her campaign as soon as I moved to Bend and figured out hours that made sense. 
um, and kind of the rest has been history working in kind of local bend politics. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a give or take, but like every time that I come upon a new job or a new situation, for instance, the, the offer of being a campaign manager last May, um, Lauren was the first person I asked about it. I was like, hey, what do you think of this? Is this a crazy idea? And, you know, as she said, it never would have worked if it was actually going to be an Olympic year. But with everything canceled, it was kind of a great opportunity to, you know, jump and do something else. And I do not believe that there are a whole lot of other professional coaches in this world that would have had that same reaction of like, you absolutely have to go for it. But I think that kind of, I don't know, harmony of passions that I'm allowed to express on this team has like made me more successful and also made me a happier athlete um, that I am able to take advantage of other things. I mean, I'd say the same thing for several of my teammates who are interested in you know, coaching, mental health, physical therapy, like they have other jobs. And that's kind of the holistic picture of, of our little wing team that Lauren has been a huge part of creating is like, you know, we want you to be happy. We want you to be able to pursue other things in balance with trying to become the best professional runner that you can be. And, you know, I'm never going to be someone and I have nothing against the people who can do it. It's awesome. But I'm never going to be someone who like can hang out on the couch and watch Netflix <laughs> in between practices and like that be the way that I live my life. And like it's been really important to me and my development that I've had a coach that is so supportive of the whole person and so supportive of like who I am outside of just being an athlete. So I know that sounds cheesy, but it was like literally like the second question I asked her yeah. <laughs> when I visited. Well, and just to kind of kind of come back to like where I where I really came to have confidence in this approach is this myth that you have to only do running. Um, there's a few things wrong with it even though some people do get results and they do nothing but running. I really think those things are correlated rather than caused. And I think that um, I learned this through elite Kenyan distance runners because the women, a lot of them had babies. And anyone who's had a baby knows you have a job. <laughs> like it's exhausting. It affects your sleep. You're on your feet a lot more. It's the physical labor involved in a small child is a lot. And so even if that person doesn't, you know, work in the jail like some of the male Kenyan athletes I've heard of that do that on the side or have, have something else that is more tr traditionally viewed as a job. They certainly have something else that demands energy and time in their life. And they were kicking my ass on a regular basis, running times that I could only dream of. And, and nobody talks about their kind of more holistic life stories. And I think as Western European and American media around sports loves, just loves this story of like the E10 training camp and I just drink right. the tea and then I run the run and then I, you know, like we love it, we love it. Um, but it's not really life. And even if, like, let's just pretend, even if all you did was run, sleep and eat was gonna make you the best, athlete, was the best way, let's say you're a robot, and if you do X, Y, Z, you will be the best runner that you can be. Like you're also living a life that you only get once. Right. And this, the, these peak athletic years are also like peak life years. And so what is 10 seconds in the 5K worth? What is it worth? Is it worth ignoring everything else? I just don't believe it. I don't buy it. And near the end of my career, when I was negotiating, you know, will I be with Nike again? Will I be with Wazelle? What am I going to do? I was at a point then where I was very confident just being like, these are the things I'm interested in. I'm going to train my butt off. Um, there's a chance it will make me 10 seconds slower in the 5K. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. If you're not okay with that, 
you know, move along. It's fine. But like, I'm, I'm not going to like pretend, you know, and what are we trying to do here anyway? We're trying to run as fast as we can as a human being without being miserable. And we're trying to like positively impact our community. And if you never leave your house, how are you supposed to positively impact your community? Yeah, well, I think that's great, Lauren. We we reflect back on all these all those races that you had and all the wonderful experiences. It's, it's like, do you remember the do you remember the misery of 600 meters to go? <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna grind this out and just like just throw down. Or do you remember you, you know the kind of the 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 folks who were in the race and the in the in the community around it and in the relationships that you had? And is like, I. I I can yeah, guess the answer is. <laughs> I mean, I certainly remember the searing pain of a 600 meter kick. Don't get me wrong, um, <laughs> and how good it felt when it when it paid off and it yeah. worked. Um, but for sure, the like my fondest memories are in hotels and dorms and all the weird ass places they put athletes for races and the right. conversations that I had and the you know, trying to find the best place for a cappuccino and somebody discovers like the one Euro gelato and you, you know, whatever those (laughs) things are, um, just like taking it all in. And so I think I, I, I bet there's not a single person who's been a pro athlete alive who would give you a different answer to be honest it's that's those moments between races are where the living is right so um being a pro runner to me was just like became a way to live a particular kind of life um and then when i made the decision to like really fully live that life it got a lot more fun yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It, it just it sounds like the running piece of it was just uh, just a, a way to have a shared experience, and then and everything else around it was just like let's talk about that experience. Let's talk about like, exactly JT, you know. That's what JT and I raced against each other in college. Um, yeah. And Josh was my hero, which is interesting because you were his hero. And so we have this <laughs> hero Rebecca circle. Maybe, yeah, and we're, Rebecca, yeah. I, I JT is your hero. hero. With, with Lauren, to be honest, like I, I met her for the first time when I was at Stanford, I was a freshman and she was pregnant with her son, Jude, and she came for a run with us. And I just remembered, like, I don't even know if I said anything to you. I was basically in awe the whole time, a freshman running in the back and Lauren Fleshman was running with us. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I looked up to your career and who you were so much for so many years. I just like, you know, creeped online. <laughs> and I finally got the opportunity Creeper. to meet her. But um and then yeah, have her coach me and argue with her from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. We we can spar pretty well, I think. You know, every now and then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Happens. Uh, <laughs> All part of the Josh, process. Yep. What, what I love about most of this is that oftentimes we talk about elites and we have Rebecca Myra here, an elite athlete, and we have an elite coach. And you and I have far from been, you know, that person in a, in a very long time, but it always comes back to the people that are listening to it are like, it really should apply to everybody. Like, this is a very common ground. This is like John L. Parker, once a runner. Uh, it You don't need to be like out there just by yourself hammering and trying to sleep 12 hours a day and not doing anything in between. It comes from this very organic, like whole life. Uh, we, talk, we talked about food earlier. We talked about like not not keeping everything from yourself. I've talked about like being happy and finding a way to do that is going to be how you live this like full life and how you run your fastest and how you enjoy it the most at the same time. And I really believe that happens from like the junior high kids that Josh was talking about when he was coaching at Woodside to mm-hmm. like you know the the masters runners that are absolutely. That are I mean, some of the most extreme kind of. Um, unhappy people I have met in 
in endurance sports have been serious recreational athletes, you know, and there's the whole range in that um, spectrum. And, you know, people, people go through, they're on their journey and they're having the stage they're at for a reason. Um, But to everyone, I, I say with no judgment, but just uh, there's something great on the other side. Like when, when you can feel um, like you're in alignment with yourself, no matter what you're doing, when you're doing sport, when you're at work, when you're with your friends, if you're the same person in all those places, you know, that's, I think that's where kind of the key to happiness really is. Um, That sounded really cheesy, but that's how I, that's what I think. (laughs) I love it. Um, okay. I think it's also a really great place to end it too. <laughs> it's really special. And I, um, I just appreciate you coming on. Um, of course, so, thank you to Solomon, uh, who was able to connect us again, uh, after years of, of missed friendships. Uh, we also love Wazell, uh, but they don't pay me anything to say. I'll Venmo you again. 50 bucks for that. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you to Picky Bars again. <laughs> but Rebecca, thank you for taking some time as well. You and I were coordinating back and forth and you making some time uh, through your busy work race weekend and your travel schedule. Josh. Yeah. You know, Happy to be here. You. Happy to yeah. surprise Lauren. And, uh, <laughs> that was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I liked yeah. it too. Rebecca, Lauren, uh, good luck with the, the rest of the year. Um, I know that's a, it's a, it's a long burn from here on out, but this is where it gets exciting. This is like, this is this is fun. This is the fun time where you get to just like rev it up and just go out there and smash some stuff. That's right. Go out and Heck smash yeah. some stuff. I love it. It's gonna be fun. So stay tuned, everybody. We're, uh, we'll do our best out there. And good luck to you at Run Local with all the events and the podcast mm-hmm. and all the community work you're doing. And um, yeah. and to, you know, I'm hoping to get down to the Bay Area sometime and oh, cool. enjoy enjoy some Let's of it. Do it. Yeah, Lauren, where can, where can folks, where can folks uh, follow? Uh, where can folks follow you and your team? Um, and Little Rebecca, Wing. What about you? Yeah, we're Run Little Wing on Instagram and Twitter, and um, I'm Fleshman Flyer on Instagram and Lauren Fleshman on Twitter. But I'm more active on Instagram at Fleshman Flyer these days than the other thing. And then I kind of, you know, can keep keep an eye out for that book, but you know, don't be on the edge of your seat because it's not going to be released for a year. <laughs> but it, it is. I'm hard at work at it, and um, so it'll be it'll be fun to see that, you know, finish up. Wait a Rebecca, where can, we follow, where can we follow your successes? Yeah, so either on the team account, as Lauren said, run Little Wing, um, and my personal accounts are uh, Rebecca underscore Mara on both Twitter and Instagram. So yeah, try to post as much as I can. <laughs> Let you know on the, the journey. Yeah, she told. She's a good storyteller. Cool. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. This is great. This is fantastic. It it, has certainly been a highlight for me. Um, So thank you both for for being on and and JT for setting it up. Thank you. Just on a personal level. Thanks. (laughs) Great. I love it. Thank you. Uh, This has been lovely. Yeah. yeah. We tell tell Jesse hi as well. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will. That (laughs) does it for us. Thank you to Lauren. Thank you to Rebecca. Thank you to Solomon running for presenting sponsor of this show. And we will see you next time. Be well and run local. Thank you.